This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome inside the Braves booth alongside Joe Simpson and our producer engineer, Jonathan Chadwick. Ben Ingram here with you. It is an absolutely stunning day here in Atlanta, Georgia. And Joe and Jay Chad and I are hanging out here in the booth recording this a few hours prior to game six of the National League Championship Series. In fact, that's coming up in about five hours and 15 minutes. And by the time you listen to this, maybe you'll know the result of game number six. I hope it's a very good result. But Joe, good to be back home. Good to be back in our radio booth. And uh, we'll see what takes place in tonight's ball game. I just know that the last uh, several times we were in this booth, things went pretty well, mm-hmm. both against the Brewers and the, the two games the Braves won from the Dodgers here. So I know uh, the club likes playing at home. I know they like having the fans here. We'll see if that's a difference maker. I can't imagine what the players must be feeling right now, and I say that because myself just being back home and knowing this ball game is going to be here tonight with 40,000 plus Braves fans I am as fired up as I can ever remember being for a baseball game I can't imagine what those players must feel you know they are you, you know they're fired up and excited and um, it just I'd like to say it, it, people sometimes think well it's a once in a lifetime opportunity well actually they had this opportunity last year right so, so it's the second time and maybe that's even more reason to not let it slip through your fingers uh the game the other night was uh other than freddie's home run and giving the braves a two nothing lead it was all dodgers from that that point forward so uh in addition to uh them having uh, a good offensive night the dodgers i'm speaking of the fact that they scratched max scherzer for tonight's game and have him uh plugged in walker bueller that's something that they have to think about and be concerned about and we'll see how that plays out seems like a really good place to start and i know that when it comes to what the dodgers have on the mound i have felt all along like the braves have had the advantage because i I have felt like the braves have had more in the tank than the dodgers have even when it was announced that max scherzer was going to get the start in game six i thought to myself okay that he's still going to be good but he's not working at the same uh, percentage that he normally is in terms of how fresh he is and i welcomed that and then once he was scratched i thought to myself well you could say the exact same thing for Walker Bueller. He's going on short rest. So while these are very good pitchers, these are some of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball, I think there is a difference getting them on shorter rest. What about you? I, I think it definitely um, plays into the Braves' favor. I think it also uh, works against the guy who's out there. He may say he's okay. and He may say, sure, I can go out there on three days rest, but until you start warming up and get into a game, uh, I think that's when that level of fatigue probably hits you that you uh, you're not 100% uh, like you would like to be. Here's the way I view this on, on their choice of Bueller, too. And that is uh, Bueller was scheduled to go to game seven if it got that far. 
Well, if you plug somebody else in today, you may not get to Walker Bueller. Right. So they're going to move him up and use him today and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, uh, which is a good strategy if Walker Bueller is okay. Now then, what do they expect from him to, to set this evening? Um, I, my estimation, my speculation would be, you know what, if we get four or five good innings from him, just turn it over the bullpen and, right. and turn it into a half of a bullpen game. Mm-hmm. They've got the arms. We've seen what they can do. The bullpen game the other night uh, certainly adding to it was the fact that Dodgers built up such a nice lead and everybody was uh, coasting for their bullpen. But it's a solid pen and they can be very good. Meanwhile, Leon Anderson goes for the Braves and this will be one of the biggest starts of his life. Uh, game number two for him wasn't his best. He went three innings. He gave up a two-run home run to Corey Seager in the first inning. Braves came back, won that ball game. But altogether, it, I, I felt like he did a good enough job keeping the thing on the tracks. It looked like it could have gotten significantly worse for him. But he goes three innings two runs three hits three walks and that's the number i keep coming back to you give up a home run to see you're okay but you've got to limit those walks and i think that's the the top priority for him this evening 100 percent, 100 percent, and it goes back to what we talked about the very first podcast before the series with the brewers and postseason no walks you, you just can't walk people in the postseason uh ian uh from what i've heard from a couple of other players uh he's fired up about this outing mm-hmm. he's ready for it you know sometimes he's sort of uh from an emotional standpoint, he never kind of strikes you as a guy who can, who gets a little fired up about things. We've even seen uh, the stoic Max Fried get mad and angry at times, mad at himself more than anything else. But uh, for Ian to make it clear that he's fired up and really wants the ball today says a lot to me. That's interesting because I heard the same thing, and we have not talked about this prior to recording this. So we heard this from two different places. I was chatting with one of the Braves uh, trainers and, and strength and conditioning coaches a couple of nights ago. And he talked about how this is prior to game five. And he said, I want to win this thing tomorrow night. I want to win it in five. However, if we do go to a game six, I'm so excited to see what Ian Anderson has in store because he is extremely fired up for this opportunity, very motivated by what he could not accomplish last go round, and felt like he came away with a much better plan for the next go round against this lineup. Now, uh, knowing that and executing that are two different things. However, I feel like that experience should help him tonight. And maybe we're looking back on that and saying that's what he needed to get him to what we just witnessed in game six. I hope it does. I hope it uh... Uh, is a, enough of an inspiration for him and a, enough of a learning curve for him that he's able to implement that tonight. Uh, when you, when we talk about him being excited or fired up or whatever the case might be, the one thing that uh, I immediately go to is I hope he's not so fired up that that change up right. is not effective. Uh, the first and foremost, I hope it's working and, and on from the first pitch on. We don't want any more first inning woes. But anybody that's fired up who depends on a change up uh, sometimes that changeup is thrown too hard and it just becomes mm-hmm. a batting practice fastball. That's something worth keeping an eye on. Makes me think of, of uh, two seam sinker ball pitchers who get yeah. too, much, too much rest right. and they come back too strong. You can say the same thing for guys through a changeup. And if he's 89, 90, 91 with that changeup, it's not going to work. He, yes. he, he needs to be in that 86, 87 range. That's when that thing really does its work and becomes the devastating pitch that you know that it can be. So that's something we watch early. I think Ian as a whole... We're, we're curious because it's not just this start tonight. This has been with him all year. First inning ERA this season over six. After that, sub three. Yeah. So if he can survive the first inning, I think that goes a long way. I look at the Brewers start. 
You know, I think he faced four batters that inning. He did give up a base hit, and, and we all kind of went, oh, I hope that's not starting up again. Uh, and then he struck out the last two guys he faced. So he got off to a great start, got uh, propelled, uh, I guess catapulted himself into the second inning with those two strikeouts, uh, letting himself know that, that he's ready, he's on, and uh, uh, let's let's get on to the rest of the game. And I, th- I hope that that happens again tonight. Yeah, do too. And looking back on that, uh, hopefully a learning experience for him Walker Bueller on the mound for the Dodgers and would you ex- would you expect the same lineup tonight in game six as what we saw in game three versus Bueller uh I yeah I, I'm a little mixed on that you know uh, Solaire and what he did for the Braves at the top of the order uh was really stupendous he is such a threat leading off the game he could he can do a Cunha type stuff you know hitting the ball out of the ballpark leading off but the way the team has been structured in Soler's absence with two left-handed hitters in the outfield, I think is is pretty good. I mm-hmm. don't know how much Soler has ever even faced Walker Bueller. Maybe he hasn't faced him that much. Um, but I, I kind of expect the lineup to be the same. I think the only change you would make would be Soler leading off playing in right, and you could use Jock the way that you used him earlier in the postseason right. yes. as a bullet off the bench. If not, though, you understand the matchup because you you got a left-handed bat and a righty on the mound. So yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not taking Rosario out of the lineup. If, if there's a substitution, it would probably be for Jock. I think so, too. Looking back on the three games in Los Angeles, obviously wanted to win that series there, but... I think after you took games one and two, and and looking back on it all, I'm trying to remember how I was feeling on the plane heading out to L.A., and the thought that kept going through my mind was, find a way to get a game there. And if you can get more than than one game, that's awesome. Yeah. But that's a place you had lost ten in a row. Yeah. And to get one... You set yourself up, Joe, in a situation where you have two chances at home to win one game. And while folks will want to compare what's taking place right now to last season, to me, the only thing that is the same was that it was three to one in favor of Atlanta. Everything else seems very different from where you're playing these games, crowds, uh, who's available, who's not available. To me, outside of when it was 3-1 through four games, everything else feels totally different. Let's talk about that for a second. And and I remember you talking about that, saying, hey, if we go out there and win one game, that'll be a bonus because of how poorly the team, the Braves have played out there. But breaking down, I, I would start with the rosters. Uh, they don't, let's go with the Dodgers, they don't have... Um, Muncie. Muncie. They don't have uh, Justin, Justin Turner. Turner. Um, they, Clayton uh, Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw is not Dustin available. May. Go on and on. Those guys were all instrumental in that series against the Braves last year. So they're they're very shorthanded on players. And some of that shorthandedness has just come around recently. So they, they were players they had all season long, but not lately. Uh, for the Braves, to get Solaire back. Uh, the guy that was really missing last year was so was uh, Soroka for the Braves. He's still missing, and now Acuna's not available. So uh, is it an even swap? Well, in bodies, no. The Braves have an advantage. Uh, in ability, yeah, you want, you want Acuna in there. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, this is different rosters for both teams. Uh, now for Atlanta, add in Duvall, who didn't play in that series. Right. He got hurt in the first at bat. Um, add in Solaire, add in Jock Peterson, add in Rosario. Uh, this is a, uh, a different team. Yeah. You know, when you have, um, as Anthopolis added these guys, 
at the break, you're adding, you're changing your roster by almost 20%. And uh, coupled with the infielders who collectively only missed about five games between them all year long, this is quite a ball club the Braves have put together compared to last year. Yeah, it is. I think that's a really good point. And, and I think you can continue on and on with how uh, different this is. Uh, yeah, the, the two teams are the same. It was a 3-1 lead for the Braves last year, just as it was through four games this year. But after that, I think you go a different way with, with all the differences that have taken place. So one other thing, and, and I, I'll go back to game uh, five. Uh, a lot of fans may have wondered what was Brian Snitker thinking going to certain guys in the bullpen as early as he did. Uh, I thought it was a great move, as it turned out. Mm-hmm. You know, they just kept adding on, made it uh, nine to two, made it eleven to two, whatever the case was. Brian was thinking ahead already to Game Six. Yeah, and he has his bullpen all well rested and ready to go. Uh, Luke Jackson with uh, two days off, three days three, off, yeah. three days off, and the other guys with two days off. Right. So they're all fresh, roaring, and ready to go, and uh, they will be solid if needed. And, and I think that puts Snit in a situation where if I do have the pitcher spot coming up, let's say it's a 1-1 ball game, and I got first and second one out, the pitcher spot's coming up. If I wanted to go ahead and push a button early and bring a guy off the bench and hit early for my pitcher, I can do that because I'm, I've got fresh arms down there. Right. I had to go into my pen on the fourth or something like that right uh, i think that opens things up for snit and he has a lot more leeway to to make moves that he needs to without having to worry about if a guy's rested or if some of those guys down there in the bullpen are out of fuel no it's it's a it's a great advantage but one of those things that as a manager um, you're always trying to think ahead in in terms of the game you're trying to think a couple of innings ahead uh, and be prepared for some changes out of the opponent's lineup their, their bullpen, who they might bring in. And that's where a guy like Walt Weiss is so valuable. He's managed before. He's your right-hand man. He's kind of keeping you up to date uh, on some of those things. And maybe maybe he hinted, you know, uh, maybe we need to think about some rest for these guys heading into game six before we burn them up in a game that we're already way behind. Yeah. It just feels good. Excited to be here and can't wait to see what takes place this evening. You know what's one thing I love about these podcasts? What? I see that it's 57 minutes after the hour, and the first thought that goes through my mind is we have to pause here soon for station identification. We can if you want. We, <laughs> you want to fire one off, JC? <laughs> yeah. We don't have to do that on our podcast. No, that's true. Normally, we have a, a light on our desktop that when, when JC wants us to call for station identification, it turns on, and that's why we know we need to work one in. But We, we were talking amongst ourselves the other day about something what was it we said you know that's that's fodder for the podcast uh, i don't know if it was about our routines do you remember what it was we were in la yeah i brought it up and i can't even remember what it was was it something was it when we were wondering about the bat boy um could have been was it that though i was thinking it was routine yeah. oriented um about how early we get to the ballpark uh what time do we want to get here all those types of things but there was something that you brought up that was really a a, a good suggestion and I, maybe i'll think about it next week <laughs> yeah which would mean we have a world series podcast right. <laughs> to go i hope we can remember it that's that's how scat i am so scatterbrained right now i have found myself over the last few weeks thinking uh, about one thing and one thing only and that's just what we have to do tonight the next game the next broadcast what the series is who's going to be pitching who's available what the lineup's going to be like and it, it'll it's fun. I say this because I, I enjoy it. I think it's a good thing, but it exhausts you mentally mm-hmm. because it just 
totally consumes you. And anything that has happened after October the 2nd, I've missed it. Anything, right. anything outside of this, yes. I have just completely missed it. And yes. Uh, well, uh, to back up your point, we're flying home yesterday on our Delta charter, and we did have TVs in the seat, you know, in front of us. And I found myself not watching ESPN and not watching anything else except news. That's what I was <laughs> just watching. Catch up. I, I'd watch news for a little bit, and I'd go, "Oh, mercy, I don't want to hear that." And I'd go, <laughs> and I'd go to Flight Tracker and see where we were flying. Just watch us. Where's our plane? <laughs> And yeah. then I go back to the news, and I, I started hearing about some things that I had no idea were going on. Yeah. I've had the hardest time falling asleep at night. I, I normally don't have any problems at all falling asleep. Now I feel like JC must feel, because he, he tosses and turns with the best of them. But, and, and it's not anxiety. It's not nervousness. It's not stress. I just have such a hard time turning it off in my mind about what we just saw and what's going to take place the next game. And I think having an off day yesterday goes a very long way. Mm -hmm. And I tried to sleep as, as long as I possibly could. I got up early this morning, got breakfast, went right back to bed. Hmm. And I just stayed knocked out for a while. But it's amazing the toll that the postseason grind puts on your mind, uh, I've discovered. And uh, it's totally different from last season because we weren't traveling. And now right. we're traveling, going to Milwaukee and back, going to L.A. and back. And um, I embrace it. I love it. I think it's amazing. But I've, it's the first time I've really felt like this before. Okay. Quadruple that if you're a player. I bet. I can't even imagine. You know, uh, the the preparation, the red, and, and I'm speaking, I'm not speaking from experience. I never got to the postseason. Mm -hmm. um, so when I see guys like um, Dansby who are in there, they've been in the postseason every year, I'm going, they have no idea how lucky they are. Yeah. You know, those types of things and all these tremendous numbers of at-bats and marks they're setting already. Uh, but the toll it takes on players mentally is uh, one of those things where they need to get all the rest they can. Maybe not physically, mm -hmm. just rest their head a little bit, you right. know, rest their brain some uh, because of all the preparation that they try to put into it in terms of looking at video, going over scouting reports, that sort of thing. Now then, modern day, they we, we didn't have video, but we certainly had scouting reports that guys poured over. But now you got analysts in your ear. Well, here's what he likes to throw when he's got a runner at second base and two and one counts and uh, and, and a few clouds in the sky. <laughs> you, you know, you, you're, if you want to go over that stuff, if you want to read that kind of stuff, that's going to be available to you. And, you know, paralysis by analysis, as mm -hmm. they say, you can make it as, uh, as difficult as you want by going over that stuff. And I think by this time, the players are saying, ah, I, I've Let's had just enough. Go play. Let's just go play the game. What time do we start? Yeah. Because that info could be as infinite as the internet. It can be. If you wanted it to be. Yeah. So mentally speaking, um, the, the guys at this point for both sides are um, – are a little fried. They yeah. just want to play baseball. Well, and then the physical aspect of it, too. We're about, let's see, today's the 23rd of October. We're just, I think, four or five days away from being eight months from the first spring training game. I want to say that was maybe February 27th or something like that. Somewhere close to that. So you're coming up, and a lot of, in a normal season, spring training plus the season, you're going to go, what, seven and a half months, seven mm -hmm. months. Mm -hmm. and, and this is an extra month where you look at the calendar and you think to yourself, my goodness, it's almost November. Well, 
think back to the um, halcyon days, uh, the 14 straight division titles, and think about the pitching staff and the guys who were constant through that, for the most part, were Smoltz, Glavin, Maddox, uh, add in whomever you want. Right. The Averys, um, the Pete Smiths, et cetera, et cetera. Pitching into the NLCS or the World Series almost every year. Right. Uh, and then the season starting, or guys these days start trying to get ready for spring training as soon as the calendar turns to a new year. They start in January, if not sooner. Well, Bobby, Bobby didn't pitch those guys in spring training that much. Maybe halfway through, they'd start throwing some. Um, you can check with Glavin on that, but uh, Bobby gave those guys extra rest just for what you're talking about, having played so deep into the calendar. Yeah, because if you add on one full month at the end of 14 years in a row, I mean, that, that's like two extra seasons, uh-huh. the accumulation of two extra seasons on uh-huh. top of the 14 right. years. Right. That's, that's Th- wild. Think about how many how many starts that would add up to for these starting uh-huh. pitchers. So uh, Bobby was very wise about that and made sure he was uh, careful with his guys that he knew were, were the bread and butter of the team and didn't want them to start the season tired. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's a way to manage it. By the way, the uh, starting lineup just came through. And it is uh, Rosario, Freeman, Albies. So they've swi- uh, switched back uh, Freeman to the two-hole. Okay. He was batting third the last go-around. So Rosario, Freeman, Albies, Riley, Duvall, Peterson is in right, and then Swanson, Darno, and Ian. So Solaire okay. off the bench. Okay. Um, so probably what we expected and, yeah. and i don't i don't think it's a shocker at all to see freddie jump back to the two hole as he batted three and ozzy batted two in game five well last night when we got the word that scherzer was being scratched my immediate uh thought was they're going to go to another bullpen game yeah i did too and and save bueller until i started thinking about well what if they don't get to bueller they got to they, they can't gotta, leave him on the table they, yeah they got to figure out a way to get to sunday uh but their bullpen has been so effective in their bullpen games uh-huh. uh, and have given the Braves offense fits that uh, I was I was ready to hear that again. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, before we jump into the emails, anything else you want to touch on? Uh, the field looks beautiful. We're sitting up here uh, as we're taping this, and I'm looking down on Ed Mangan and his crew already out there doing a little water uh, on the infield in preparation for uh, some infield practice or BP whenever that starts. But uh, the grass is immaculate. Uh, you know that while the team was in L.A. for three days, they've been fertilizing, watering, mowing, and doing everything else they have to do to make it look its best, and it does. I think the fans will be very pleased. I do, too. I, I know that um, we've seen some huge games in this ballpark, uh, some amazing moments in this ballpark. I think tonight, if this goes well, th- this will be uh, the peak of this ballpark to this point. I have one other thought, All right, and I want, I want Jonathan's. Uh, input on this too you know how when you go to a college football game and your team is on the road if you if you happen to follow them to whatever stadium usually the visiting team gets a little little section of seats up there in the upper deck you know past the goal line there's just a little place where they, they auction or section them off right and that's where they have to sit 
See, I think baseball needs to go to that. <laughs> One little section of yeah. blue up there. Yeah, like the upper deck down the left or right field line. I thought you meant on top of the racetrack building out well, across the, the, the bleachers out yeah, there. Yeah, build left. some bleachers out there for them there, too. That'd be just fine. But I think they ought to be kind of sequestered over there. <laughs> and just you know, if they want to make some noise, they can because nobody could hear them. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem Are you in on that, that, Jay Chad? I'm in, and maybe charge them triple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jay Chad would be happy to usher them all right over there. Well, they could they could complain and say, "Oh, this is three times the price of all the other tickets." Yeah, those are those are really valuable seats up there. They are. So I think, for future reference, I think that's where they ought to be. We'll get to work on that. Okay, yeah, good call. That's all I got. Very good call. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Your emails are greatly welcome, bravesbooth at gmail.com. That is bravesbooth at gmail.com. Anything on your mind, fire away, because we fully intend on having another one of these shows, which would mean the Braves would be advancing to the World Series for the first time in 22 years. Looking to do that for the first time since 99. We're looking this up on the bus yesterday. This would be the first game six at home since the NLCS in 1999, I believe I said it was. I don't know. We're looking yes, it up. Yes. Andrew Jones walk off, basically yes. loaded walk against the Mets. Yes. It's the last time there was a game six in Atlanta. Speaking of speaking of Andrew, um, walking over here through the battery a minute ago, I ran into Raphael for call. Oh, nice. Uh, and he's he was here with his son, Raphael Jr., who's bigger than Rafi. <laughs> uh, wouldn't take a whole lot. Right. But he what a good-looking kid. He's about 15 years old. He's here for some, uh, uh, I think, some, what do they call them, play uh showcase okay showcase uh things for uh high school kids uh as i said he's 15 years old big solid player and uh really good to see rafi and it was nice of him to come over and say hello that is great and best of luck to uh rafi jr and i know that andrew jr Mm -hmm. is projected to be a top 10 pick in the draft next year right which is amazing and he's already committed to vandy that's wonderful yeah very cool very cool all right uh email bravesbooth at gmail.com let's go ahead and fire things off i'll start with john says in your opinion what has to happen tonight for the braves to finally put these guys away and john i think there are multiple steps to that but if i had a first step i'd go right back to what we discussed with ian anderson let's just start with a one let's start with strike one no walks getting ahead um you know, I think what happened the other night with the 11 runs for the Dodgers, they're capable of that, but I don't think they do that every single time. And if you can get out there and pitch with this defense behind you, I don't mind some contact either. So I, I say that Ian needs to be really good right out of the shoot. I just, you know, all week long I've been so tired of hearing fans talking about what could happen in a game six or a game seven. They're scared. Mm-hmm. Come to the ballpark tonight with a different mindset. Stop worrying about what happened last year or what happened in the past or what may have happened to another Atlanta sports team at any given time. That's a weak mindset. Stop. Show up tonight 
and let's watch these these guys win. But I guess to to answer your question, same thing that got them here: good pitching, good defense, and some timely hits. Yeah, and. Uh... With what the Dodgers did in Game Five, with all their two-strike hitting, make better pitches. Yeah, make better pitches when you get ahead in the count, and don't allow, allow them to just uh, freewheel it. Yeah, good point. Um, this is from Brian. What is your favorite in-between inning game slash activity that's done for the fans that you've ever watched in all the years at Major League ballparks? Besides, beat the freeze, of course. He says. In all major league ballparks, mm-hmm. uh, that sausage race in Milwaukee is pretty humorous. I think that was kind of like the beginning for everybody, wasn't it? Yeah, I and I like I like the sausage race as well because they actually race. Right, they, they run. It's right. not scripted. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not pro wrestling. Right, right, um, which gets old. But I really like the sausage race myself. Uh, and to be honest with you, Brian. I can't. There's a race in um, Arizona, and there's a race in Washington. The president's uh-huh. race is pretty cute too, um, but no, I don't think there's as much going on in other ballparks as is going on at Truist Park. You know, it seems like there's something every half inning. That seems about right. I'm with Joe. Uh, yeah. And, and look, whatever you see all the time, you're going to eventually become weary of it. Yeah. Uh, I know that when we went to San Francisco, they do none of those things. Nothing. It's very old school. And the three of us were thinking, oh, this is nice. St. Louis, Meanwhile, Baltimore, the people in San Francisco are thinking, we have the worst game day experience for fans. Yeah, yeah. And, and they put the fans on their big screen, they play music, and they dance, and they, they're happy to see each other, and they're having a good time. Uh, but they paid their money to come see a baseball game. Yeah. JC, what you got? Uh, this question comes from Mark. He'd like to know how long the leash is for both managers tonight. I guess I would say it's probably a little longer maybe for for Brian Snedker. Uh, I don't think Dave Roberts will have much of one at all, uh, but we'll see what happens. And he means like toward the pitchers, starting pitchers? That's what I'm assuming. That's my assumption. Okay. Yeah, I – Brian Roberts has no leash. He can't afford to fall real far behind and and hope that Walker Bueller finds it by the third inning if he's already down four runs. He's going to have to make a change. Yeah. Uh, This is from Scott, and Scott says, I'm sure most everyone wanted to close this thing out in L.A. However, that didn't happen, so how special will it be to get it done at home in front of our fans? I I think it would be as big a moment as we have seen since 1995. I know that they won the pennant in 96, won it again in 99, so this will be right there alongside of that. But to do it at home, you win a pennant at home, it's going to be one of the greatest moments in the history of your franchise. Uh, I I don't care if, if you're the Marlins or the Yankees, you can't get enough of that. And if you get to do that tonight right here, it'll be the biggest moment in the history of this ballpark, and it will be the biggest moment in the franchise's history, at least since 1999, in my opinion. Yeah, I told you guys the other day that, it, in my opinion, uh, this team has um, endeared itself to our fans more so than any team in the last 20 years. Uh, I, I, I still stand by that. And because of that, I think the celebration will be really great mm-hmm. and uh, fun to watch. We may not get out of the parking lot till 5 a.m. Well, that's Might all right. sleep here. That's all right. That's, yeah, it you, is all you right. You know, whatever it takes. I think everyone would have preferred probably to get it done in four or five games out in L.A., but that didn't happen. And so you have the opportunity 
tonight to do it in front of your home fans, and I don't think there'd be anything more special than that. Well, as as I said, I, I think I was disappointed that I got on the Delta Charter in L.A. yesterday and I wasn't hungover. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a, a – there would have been a reason for that. Right. And uh, never wanted a hangover so bad in your life. That's right. And so uh, tonight, if I wake up with a hangover tomorrow, I'll be a very happy guy. That's right. Come on now. Yeah. Get, Win this I'm thing tonight. Get in there and get some. It, it'll be a good night for Uber drivers. Uh-huh. They'll make yeah. a fortune. That's right. <laughs> if the Braves close this thing out tonight, who will you think about first? That's from Brad. Uh, that answer could go lots of ways. The first guy that comes to my mind is Freddie, because even in the 2014, 2015, 2016 year rebuild and everything was was very uh, negative and he felt nowhere close to the World Series, Freddie talked about that being the goal, that remained the goal, was talking about the World Series even when you're so far away. And I know he wants that so bad, but that's a very long list. I think Freddie and Snit probably the top of that list. Yeah, um, I've got a couple of other guys to add to that, but uh, certainly for uh, really this whole this whole organization, uh, none of these guys are really, with the exception of uh, Terry McGurk, John Sherholtz at the very top of the uh, the ladder. None of these guys have ever experienced it. They ha- they weren't really a part of the organization back in '95, and uh, to have built something not the least of which is Truist Park and the Battery, and made this fan experience here to be able to enjoy the fruits of that mm-hmm. with a championship, with a pennant. Uh, I, I'm, I'll be very happy for them. Brian Snitker, be very happy for him and his 40 years in this organization and in baseball. Uh, the players, too. I'll be happy for you guys. I'll be happy for, for Jonathan and Ben uh, because the opportunity doesn't come along that often and you don't know when it might come again dan marino went to a super bowl his first year and he said i just thought you'd win every year yeah he never went again Mm -hmm. his whole career so uh, i hope you're able to enjoy this tonight and celebrate hope so too i would say uh, for me brian snicker would be at the top of the list joe point out 40 plus years in the organization he's grinded it out he's had a lot of jobs that weren't very glamorous and now he's got the opportunity to uh, be rewarded for all that hard work and for grinding for 40 something years uh and then probably right after that i'd probably say uh my dad just because it would bring back a lot of good memories from my childhood and that's going to uh playoff games at Fulton County Stadium. Cool. I like that. You know what would be amazing? Braves win this thing. Snit's son's going to be in the other dugout. Yeah. Troy Snitker's the hitting coach for the Astros. Mm -hmm. What a story. Yeah. I tell you what, we might have to... uh, I don't know how we get Ronnie to stay on the brave side. You know, she's going to have her son over there. (laughs) She might be going back and forth. I know what side she'll be on. (laughs) Um, From Jane... Jane says, if you could offer Ian one piece of advice tonight, what would it be? Go ahead, Jonathan. Just do what you've been doing all season long. Uh, don't treat this any different. Everyone knows how high this, the stakes are. You want to win. You want to close this out. You don't want to have to play tomorrow. But don't change anything up. Just approach tonight the way you approach every single start. And I think if, if, if he does that, it'll be fun. Yeah, that's right. Uh, get strike one. Um, trust that fastball because mm-hmm. you need it for your changeup to be good. Yep. Don't don't stray away from the curve. He's got great stuff. He's got a, a good fastball, a good, a very good changeup, and a very good curveball. Use them all. Trust them, 
And if he can get 0-1, uh, that, that's such a big key for him. I think I think over the course of this season, with at the beginning of the season, the way everybody talked about the Dodgers being a super team and the next great dynasty in baseball because of their never-ending resources to go out and get whatever players they want to get, and because they are talented, because you know one to twenty-six, they, their roster is better than most. Everybody has really been intimidated by who the Dodgers are, having won the World Championship, and now basically trying to get better that they've been everybody's been intimidated except the san francisco giants Mm -hmm. who weren't picked to win and they just went out and played and won i want ian anderson to have a giants mentality tonight i want him to realize you know what we're pretty stinking good too and uh we're gonna we're already up three games to two we're gonna finish this tonight i want him to be that aggressive and that confident yeah i like that uh this is from tim Tim says, Braves country would like to know who would win a steel cage match between the radio booth and the god-awful TBS booth. <laughs> There's only one correct answer here. I'll That's go first. Tim. Oh, we, we'd have to – I think uh, everybody would want us to, to fight to go after Ron. Uh, that's what I hear. <laughs> we would win uh, easily. Uh, I'd put Brian Anderson in the figure four mm-hmm. leg lock. Mm-hmm. I'd body slam Jeff, mm-hmm. and then I'd take a folding chair and clothesline run. Wow. Wow, man. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, I would put Jeff in a sleeper hole because I don't want him to get hurt. He's one of us. He's one of our guys. <laughs> right. I'd put him in a sleeper hole, take him out of the action where he's passed out in a corner, and then just go to Whalen on the <laughs> other guys. Turnbuckle and all. See the thing. I don't. I don't think we need to use any force to take out Frenchie. We can just distract him. Yeah. Conversation. Yeah. Hey, let's go grab a drink. Mm. Let's chat about this, that, and the other. And he, talk to him about Clemson football. Yeah. He'd just, run away. Yeah. Clemson was playing Pitt today. Who won? Okay. And then you got him. Yeah. He's out. He's then out. It's three on two. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't even throw a punch at Frenchie. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, and by the way, it, it's been so great to hear from so many of you. There have been tons of people who have reached out to us via Twitter text uh what what have you to say that they have synced up our audio to what they're seeing on tv we really appreciate that and it's been fun to come to many of you for uh, another season and it's been fun to come to many of you for the very first time i know there are lots of people who are listening to us to the first time uh given the fact that it's the postseason and our, our audience is larger so we really really appreciate it as you're with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Driving to the park today, what was going through your mind? That's from Kara. Kara, you don't want to know. (laughs) I don't even remember. Still cage matches? I don't even remember driving here. There was so much going through my mind. Yeah. My, the only thing that was on my mind is is get here on time. I wanted to be here plenty early. I didn't want to be stuck in traffic or anything like that. But it's uh, it's a really, really big gig tonight. But it's another gig. And I just wanted to get here, get, on, get here on time, go through my normal routine, and be ready for whatever they show us tonight. Yeah. The last thing I think Ben will agree with this, and Jonathan certainly, n- none of us like to be rushed to getting to first pitch we don't want to have to hurry to get our scorebook scorebooks ready to get our 
preparation ready, our homework ready, and for Jonathan to get us all plugged in and ready to go. We like pacing ourselves, being, you know, having a good time amongst ourselves as we get ready for a very important ball game. So, um, driving to the park, which I didn't have to do today, just walked. Um, all I was thinking about was winning. Win, yeah. win this game that's all i'm thinking about and hoping ian has a good outing yeah me too here's a good question you can answer joe this comes from ally question is hello all i have a question for you all how do you judge a check swing at what point do you say the batter went around thanks um it's it's not defined ally as oh the bat got out in front of home plate well there's a lot of times where a guy you know he's he's flipping that bat out there and it gets out in front of home plate but it comes back and it was obvious he wasn't going to swing at it to me it's when that when your body starts going out there and the bat follows and you can't stop it that's a swing to me no matter where the bat stopped you were going after the pitch Mm -hmm. that's a swing good answer uh what you got jc this question is from cam he said i know you guys are recording this before game six what brave do you expect to have a big night tonight I'll take Eddie and Freddie at the top. I like that. I think they. I think they're poised to get it going. I. I, I don't know why, but I always go away from some of the obvious guys. Uh, Eddie's been the hottest. Freddie's had a sensational NLCS after that 0 for 8 start. Um, but I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, I, I, I'm going to say I hope it's Austin because he's in a 0 for right now. I hope it's Austin. But if not, then I'm going to go to. Um, the bottom part of the order. I'm going to go to Darno. I'm going to go to Swanson. I'm 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 going to pick those guys. Yeah, if those guys are getting on base, and that means RBI opportunities for Rosario and Freeman and Albies, and yeah, then you're sitting pretty. I like the Dansby pick a lot. I think the other guy for me, who I just feel like is due to make something big happen, is Ozzy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's another guy that um, you can put him in there with with Riley back to back in the order. Uh, they need to do something tonight. Any other questions you guys want to throw in there? Yeah, I forgot. Um, let's see. I had one over here from Jacob in Tallahassee. It says, hey, guys, this kind of – I think there's a couple of questions in here. Looking forward to streaming the radio call this weekend, hoping for some iconic moments from Ben and Joe. Well, they'll, they'll be iconic, but we're only the conveyors of the iconic – uh, moments that are happening on the field there, Jacob. And since Waffle House has become a Twitter rallying cry for Braves fans this week, I wanted to know all of you. I wanted to know all of your go-to orders at Waffle House. And a bonus question: How each of you order your hash browns? Love to hear the response, Jacob in Tallahassee. We'll start with what's your go-to order at Waffle House, Jay Chad. <sighs> It's hard to beat that grilled chicken they have at Waffle House. Um, the all I'm a, I'm a big All Star guy, but I would say if I can only pick one thing, I'm gonna go patty melt plate. Mm-hmm. Double order of hash browns. Double. Plain. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna go there too on the hash browns, Ben. Uh, this is easy. All Star special, um, and for the hash browns, I don't. If you want to throw some cheese in there, that's fine. I just want them. I want to almost break my teeth. I want them to be so crispy. Hmm. I want them to just absolutely drop the fire on them. Hmm. And because uh, I'm a big crunchy texture kind of guy, so okay. just make them really, really. That's interesting. Cook them. Yeah, Maybe a little odd. Yeah, how it goes, man. Yeah, cook them. 
Yeah. Good luck on those fillings. Um, <laughs> I'm I, I'm just breakfast guy on Waffle House. I I just love um, bacon and eggs. Maybe a maybe a waffle. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Waffle House after all. Yeah. Uh, and the hash browns. I like my hash browns plain too, Jonathan. It's kind of boring, but I like mine soft. I, I don't like them crunchy at all. Yeah. And agreed. You can put a little cheese on there if you want, but I'm in. I'm not going to be disappointed if you don't, because I'm going to have some raisin toast too. Well, I, you know, I say plain, but you know, I'm going to put some ketchup on them. Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Bonus question: uh, How do you order your hash browns? Well, I think we just answered that. Plain. Plain. No smother. No cover. Uh, this question is uh, directed to Joe. This is from Trent in Elk Grove, California. Would Joe join social media like Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok if the Braves win the World Series? <laughs> I love going to the World Series. I would love that. And I would love being sized for a ring for a world championship. And the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. That was an easy, it is the, easy one. It is the scourge of American society. Sorry. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I've, I've said many times, if I didn't have a job doing what I do, I, I wouldn't want no part of Twitter. I feel like all the news breaks there. I mean, for instance, last night, 1030, that's how I found out that Max Scherzer wasn't getting the ball in this ball game mm-hmm. and through Twitter. That's, how, that's where I get all the news, which, um, boy, hadn't that changed? You just have to wait on a newspaper or maybe yeah, even the news right. at night. Now right. it's instant. Wait for the, the 11 o'clock sports report. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think uh, when it comes to those other platforms, JC, I think you and I are the same on this. We both have Twitter. We both have Instagram. I can't see myself ever being a TikToker. No. The way I approach these Twitter, I say, is for everyone. If you want to follow me, have at it. Instagram, uh, I want to know you if I'm going to show you pictures of my personal private life right uh that's the way i approach it not everyone does like that thought you wanted to be like a a a male instagram model no so like i say twitter's for everyone (laughs) instagram's for me uh do not do tiktok uh my other half does do tiktok that's all she does isn't it i mean it's incredible you know it's like she gets up in the morning and i give her like a a good hour before i go downstairs so she can get all of her tiktok out of the way (laughs) oh we got a long kind of long question and comment from randy who is an atlanta native but lives in uh the dc area of northern virginia now uh he said um let's see thanks for doing the podcast really appreciate the honest positive as possible insights when you discuss the status of the team as i listened to the three games from dodger stadium i kept wondering what happened to the days of beach balls getting on the field and one of the more docile crowds of the MLB cities. Uh, but I guess my real question uh, questions are whether or not MLB or the commissioner specifically should make rules about piped-in noise. Wow. We feel the pain there, uh, Randy. It was uh, just grossly loud. Um, to the point where – sorry to interrupt you, but to the point where before the game at Dodger Stadium in the visiting radio booth, there's it's like a garage door. It rolls up, right? There were times where we had that shut and were wearing headphones before the game even started because it's the only way that you could attempt to maybe block some of the, the, the PA out. It's, it's deafening. It's horrible. Uh, maybe it's great for some people, for people that do what we do. It is awful. And I can say if I was a fan at the stadium, 
I want to want it that loud. Yeah, and, and we don't sit more than six feet away from uh, one another, and that's what we have to do to communicate, even with headphones on. There were a couple of times where Jonathan was giving me a cue that we were back from a commercial. Uh, yes, and one time I did have my uh, volume <laughs> turned down so I didn't hear him. But the other times I really had to watch him cue me because I couldn't hear him. When you had your volume turned down, that was funny because I said, you're in, and nothing happened. I said it again, nothing happened. The third time I said it, Ben turned around and looked at me, and I looked at Ben, and I I just motioned, somebody talk, we're back. (laughs) And then eventually Joe looked at me. We have to go to a a silent snap count in the visiting stadium. Right. Yeah, I forgot to turn my volume up. Um also, he says that noise that it gets to the point of interfering the player's ability to focus and communicate with one another. Uh, just for the spirit of competition and quality of play, I would think the home team should not be allowed to gain an unfair advantage. What do you think? I think you're getting the gist of what we think already, Randy. We thank you for the for the message. Uh, it is uh, obnoxiously loud. And I'll give you a, a backstory. And it was actually before the Dodgers completed their lovely uh finish product out there in center field where they closed it in and built their center field plaza if you will for a lot of fans to gather outside the ballpark Uh, they had a different sound system and they just had these giant speakers on a pole out in center field and it was so loud and obnoxious that the great vin scully i mean who's more dodger than vin scully vin scully asked the front office and the person that was in charge of the sound system would you please back it off a little bit would you turn it down a little bit because uh, i can't i can't even hear the cues i I don't can't even hear myself and they said no yeah no we're not going to turn it down shameful the street that the ballpark sits on is named after him if they won't turn it down for vin they won't turn it down for anyone no not even J. Chad. Yeah. Well, J. Chad could use a little bit of force. Maybe he could force his way into making him turn it Sometimes down. Sometimes I'd like to. Yeah. we got two questions left to finish off all the questions on this list. This is from Chip. He says, whatever happened to teams having four to five legitimate starting pitchers for the playoffs over the past couple of years? We've seen a ton of bullpen games. Why is this happening? Thank you, Chip. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Very good question. And uh, you, you do have to go back to some old days, that's for sure of teams that had four quality guys that the the rotation that don sutton pitched on that rotation that the um orioles had one year where i think they had four 20 game winners that that was a long time ago that was that was back in the early 70s and uh pitching is good pitching is hard to come by we all know that the the scouts are scouring the the hinterlands for pitching constantly before the draft there's just not enough good pitching to go around and it's almost like if a team has three man they're they're set right and then meanwhile they're kind of working in some younger guys to see if they're going to be okay and then uh the days of going out and signing uh all-star free agent uh pitchers to round out a rotation uh, cost-wise it just doesn't make sense anymore yeah that's a good point yeah another thing too how many teams were there in 1970 yeah all right, 22, 24. Um, yeah. So you've, you've got an adi- at least six additional teams, uh-huh. which waters down the, and spreads out the talent even further. I mean, you go back far enough, and you're talking about 16 teams. 
Yeah, uh, we've almost doubled that now. Yes, but uh, yeah, it's a good question, and you mix in the, the strategy as, as well, and the analytics, and the third time through the order, and all these other things that they have. And the efforts. Uh, let, let's put um, um, financial reward in there too. In those days, uh, rarely did those guys have more than a one-year contract. Yeah. You know, they're pitching for next year. They've got to keep pitching, whether their arm was killing them or not. They need to go out, out there and pitch every day. So there wasn't as much attention paid to uh, losing a pitcher to injury as there is now and the constant uh, efforts to protect those guys in their arms. 24 teams in 1970. Okay. Got 30 now. All right, one more question. Great one to finish up with. How happy will the three of you be personally for Brian Snitker if the Braves win? Obviously, we would be absolutely thrilled. I'm a sucker for a great story. Um, I'm all about merit, and this guy has paid every due that is on the bill and has worn every single hat in this organization. So to be in the situation and thrive is a great thing. To get to the World Series is an even more remarkable story. So we would be thrilled for Snit to get and manage in the World Series. Make no mistake about it, Brian Snicker is old school. Uh, he's been around that long. He knows how the game used to be played, how it should be played, and it's played a lot differently now with a lot of different uh, pizzazz and uh, personalities and that sort of thing. And yet he's adapted, I think, really well. Players would tell you that he's very contemporary with mm-hmm. them, and that is a great trait to have. I can't say that I would be able to do that. He has, and the players love him. They play hard for him, and he treats them like men and uh, allows them the freedom to play like they want to play in, in, in some capacity. I think that leads to a lot of the success that he's had. Oh, yeah. How he manages that way. Absolutely. It, you know, it's a rarity when guys like Dusty Baker or Tony La Russa come back and uh, I'm not going to say they instill their way of doing things, but uh, it, it doesn't happen very often that they're able to um, relate to the younger players mm-hmm. like they have. That's a special ability. Well, we are wrapping things up. And uh, before we close off, final thoughts. Let's start with you, JC. Just get it done. Get it done tonight. When I'm so tired of hearing about the Dodgers earlier in the podcast, I said I was tired of the people's mindset coming into this game, you know, and they're scared. Uh, forget all of that. Get it done tonight at home. Um, you know, and then personally, I know this will be 2021 will be the 100th year that the World Series has been on radio. The first year it was on radio was 1921. Mm. So I hope we're all. Um, fortunate enough to be a part of that, Joe. Can you um, can you say "kick butt" on a podcast? You can say it. Okay. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, can you? Okay. Well, don't, don't open up. <laughs> don't open that gate. That gate, buddy. Um, no, let's kick some butt tonight. Like Jonathan said, let's not uh, sit back and wait for something to happen. Let's make it happen and right from the get go. Had a big flashback there to Dennis Hopper in Hoosiers when he's in yeah. the in the hospital, like son. Yeah kick their butt <laughs> yeah there you go right there that's a good call there it is yeah punch them in the mouth come out yep. punch them keep on punching uh eliminate these 
these guys move on let's go to houston uh, next week that'll wrap things up for us and hopefully our next podcast is coming to you from houston texas for a world series preview of uh, the braves and the astros so between tonight hopefully tonight if not tonight then certainly tomorrow get this thing done everybody get in here to this ballpark cannot wait to see you all and cannot wait to hear you all this evening here at truest park for game six till next time for joe for j chad i'm ben and you've been inside the braves booth